Leaving my job at Microsoft was one of the hardest decisions I've made, but it was also the best decision I've ever made. But why would someone leave a dream job at a dream company? Why take that risk? I get asked this question quite often, and I'm finally ready to share my story of leaving Microsoft. And in this episode, you would also get a bonus story, perhaps even more incredible than mine, of someone who said no to an offer to double their salary and walked away from their nine to five job. Why did we do it? Well, keep listening to find out. This is a recording of our live event and I'll come back at the end to share my biggest aha moment from this conversation. All right, folks, Robert is on his way, so we'll be getting started soon. Thank you to everybody who joined. Thank you for saying hello to me. Galvin is here from South Africa. Nav is here from Toronto. Joe Parks is here. Joe, good to see you, my friend. It's always good to see familiar names, familiar faces. Joe is here from Greenbelt, Maryland. Manolito is here. Hey, Manolito. Haven't seen you in a while, I think. From Netherlands. Uh, Darha is here from Finland. Wayne is here from Dallas, Texas. Porni, hey Porni, how are you doing? Hugo is here from Bogota, Colombia. Gil is here from Israel. Welcome, Gil. I often get teased about my name, or at least the name that I use. So my full name is Avichel, <laughs> which only my mom uses sometimes now, and when she's angry at me. Uh, but I go by Avi, and as it turns out, that's a pretty well. Uh, I've been told that it's a uh, it's a, it's a common name in Israel. So, uh, yeah, but I'm from India. <laughs> but either way, good to have you, Gil. Yep, Manolito is back. Uh, uh, Sate. so I might mispronounce some of your names. Apologies. From Nigeria. And Robert is here. Yay, we're ready to get, get, get it started. I'm going to bring Robert on. And Robert, go ahead. Turn your mic on. So, folks, uh, today is exciting. Because we have, of course, the, my story of uh, why I left Microsoft. All right. Hi, Avi. Hey, Robert. How are you? So, yeah, but I can't do it without Robert because this is buy one, get one free deal. Aren't those amazing, right? I always wait for those. So around Thanksgiving, that's when the big sale comes like, BOGO, buy one, get one free. So that's what you're getting today. We are going to have, uh, I'm going to share my story, which is a little crazy of why I left Microsoft, right? A dream, jump, dream job at a dream company. Why would anybody do that? And then we're going to hear maybe even crazier story from Robert. So I'm excited for this. Um, all right, folks. So let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get it going. So, um, and Robert, I'm not sure. I don't think I, even I've shared the whole story with you. And frankly, I'm not even sure if I can share the whole story, man. I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh my God, there's so much. There's so much. But uh, I think there's going to be some pieces which are going to be new to you as well. Um, okay. But Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be exciting. So let me just start with the, kind of my first interaction with Microsoft. So this was 1995. I had joined my college. And that was the first time I ever saw a computer, a real one at least. Um, but um, yeah, so 
I walk into my computer lab in the college and yeah, there were these computers and they had those giant floppy disks, the five inch ones. Um, and yeah, you're younger than me. I don't know. Maybe you never saw them, but yeah, these, these giant floppy disks. And of course, initially we were not allowed to touch them. Yeah. In the first year, I don't think, yeah, initially I know we were not allowed to touch them. We could see they were like the senior students working on them. And we were like, oh my God, computer. And it was like magic. And of course they were running uh, Microsoft DOS, right? So uh, that, that's the first thing the command prompt. And it seemed just amazing to me. So that's when I first kind of came across anything Microsoft, I suppose. And then over the years, we used it more and we used the, the Windows, the, right, the, the OS and so forth. And of course, folks who are here in the US, they might seem a little uh, surprised by that timeline because I think uh, 1995 to 1998, things maybe were different here. Uh, but yeah, back in India, that's how I started kind of Microsoft DOS and then a little bit of Windows and then internet. Um, we used to use these stolen accounts and passwords. I wouldn't go into that <laughs> too much, but, uh, but yeah, internet was this bizarre thing. But anyway, so, so Microsoft, I was thinking about the analogy to use and the best I could think of was, so I was watching the series crown on Netflix uh, folks on on the call is is anybody else a crown fan so that one of course shows the story of queen elizabeth ii amy is a fan yeah man i love that series um but in that series for the first time ever oh we got a few fans here ponies as well the there was this one episode where they showed the apollo moon landing and that was the first time I kind of realized that how, how big of an event that was. Whole world was fixated around that, you know? But for me, Microsoft was kind of like that. It was this, this big thing happening elsewhere that I could never be part of, you know? It was just, yeah, they were there. So that was my first interaction. Now, uh, I'll fast forward a little bit. I land up in U.S., that's a whole other story of how I landed up. But, uh, you, you know, so I call myself accidental entrepreneur. I think you might have heard me talk about that. I never thought I would be an entrepreneur in one series of accident after the other. And I'm like, holy, what am I? You know, I guess I'm running my own company. Um, now that I'm thinking a lot of other accidents happened in life, but, you know, all good ones, all good ones. So uh, it all turns out in your favor, right? So um, I land in US and I'm pretty clueless. I'm pretty green. And I was at a consulting company and somehow I get an interview or well, not me, but somebody else got me an interview for a contracting position in Microsoft. So I'm like, whoa, right? And they were like, yeah, you know, make sure you're prepared. So I'm like reading my, <laughs> you know, whatever, uh, computer science books and stuff. And then uh, uh, the interview happened and I didn't know then well, later I came to know, but Microsoft is known to have this, uh, this kind of puzzles or riddles in the interview. Um, yeah, I didn't know that then. And they asked me in the interview, they asked me this uh, weird question, or at least at that time, I thought it was weird. They said that, how would you know if a blender is working? And, you know, yeah, I, I think it was... I felt, I still think it's a stupid question, but yeah, I bungled it. Clearly they weren't happy and 
interview ended and I didn't get the job. And you know what? That fit with my view of the world. I was like, yep, yep. That's what I expected. You know, come on. Like, you know, we're talking about Microsoft and me. You know, I couldn't get a job there even as a consultant. So yeah, that was what fit with my worldview. So yeah, imagine my surprise when a few years later, <laughs> I did land at Microsoft. And it would be so clean to say that, oh yeah, you know, dream job at a dream company. But uh, unfortunately, the initially I only had the first part. It was a dream company. I, I really loved working at Microsoft. I do think it's a good company. It's a great company, especially under Satya. And uh, it's one of the best companies to work for out there. Uh, it, uh, oddly though, the, the dream job part didn't happen. The first job sucked in a big way. It was a job from hell, more like it. But man, I'll, I'll save it for another day. Um, the second job, and so I switched my role. So I was there for about six years. So three years into it, I switched my role. And that was a dream job. It was, first of all, a great manager. And I think that's a key thing about um, working in a company where I, I feel like 80 to 90% of your life is decided by your manager. Uh, and yeah, and I had a great one there. Dwayne, just phenomenal fellow. I've had those rare times of working under managers who actually cared for you, you know? <laughs> And it's like, gee, is that too much to ask for? But when I look back, yeah, most of my managers, they were just had their own angle. And yeah, I mean, I don't blame them, I guess, but um, it was it was nice to work for Dwayne. He cared for you. <laughs> that was such a difference. So Dwayne was great. I had a great team, great folks, still remember them. You know, they taught me a lot. That's always a good sign when you're a team, when you're learning, you know. If you're the smartest person in the room, mm, you know, you got to change the room, you know. So Greg, Serena, lots to learn. And we ha also had an inspiring leader. And I think that makes a lot of big difference in any company. I think the leader does set the tone. So the job from hell, the first three years, I would blame it at least partly on the leader. Partly it was me. But um, but yeah, but, but in this case, so of course, in a big company like Microsoft, it's not one company. It's a company of companies. So you can have very different ecosystem subcultures everywhere. And that's why my life totally changed from one job to the other within Microsoft. So here I was, uh, uh, yeah, working under a really inspiring leader, Lutz Ziob. He actually went on to retire and then he kind of unretired and started working with nonprofits, um, uh, working in Africa. Uh, uh, he, yeah. So we were an education group, kind of Microsoft Learning, that's what we're called. And he went on to kind of do that, um, later on. So yeah, really inspiring leader. So everything was good. And of course, then I found Power BI and I was on fire. <laughs> and this was the early, early version of Power BI. Anybody, if, if, anybody on the call, does Project Gemini ring a bell? Do you guys have any idea what I'm talking about when I say Project Gemini? Uh, let me know. Now that was the, uh, as far as I know, that was the earliest precursor of Power BI. That's when I saw the model. That's when I saw DAX. <laughs> I wrote my first DAX measure. And of course, we were inside Microsoft, so we could get a preview. And I didn't even know what it was. I kind of stumbled on it. Uh, I was routinely working with sets of data, more than a million rows. And it was a constant challenge. So I would dance back and forth between SQL and Excel, 
run a query, pull it in Excel in summarized fashion because I couldn't have more than a million rows. Um, and then, and then I, somebody told me about this project Gemini. I'm like, hmm, okay, I'm going to give it a try. But yeah, fast forward a little bit. Uh, yeah, Paul says he remembers Gemini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amir, Amir Nets. Yeah, he's still pretty awesome. So, um, and yeah, of course that I was just, that lit me up. I mean, I loved it. I loved what I was able to do. And uh, the impact that I was able to create was just phenomenal. Uh, it changed me. It changed the work that I was doing. Yeah, it was it was weird. And and yeah, kind of my impact just grew. I was doing reports for my team and then a bigger team and then beyond. And before I knew it, I I was running a, a reporting platform which had like thousand users and i think it grew to 2000 by the time i left i couldn't have imagined any of that again series of accidents happy accidents all so yeah so and of course everybody noticed i, I was if i may be less humble for a bit i was a star and it reflected a lot of things i got the biggest bonus that i ever had i had the only um uh, you know so i've only been promoted twice <laughs> in my career so by the way i should have i just have led with that even though I was good in studies, man, I'd always struggled in my professional career. It was, uh, yeah, I just never could get anywhere. It felt like a roller coaster ride. Um, but here, yeah, I got, I got promoted. I got a big bonus. I got a performance rating of five out of five, which is unheard of. I mean, it, it's, it's really rare in Microsoft. And certainly I would never have expected that. My Fast career was littered with uh, meets expectations. Uh, who, who knows what I'm talking about? I, I must say the performance review is not the part that I miss <laughs> in the old life. But yeah, so everything was good. But I had a dream in my heart. Ooh, I had a dream. I found this thing and I'd, I'd been that Excel user stuck in the data dungeon and I found this freedom with Power BI. And it was like a fire was lit in my heart. It was like a secret that I couldn't keep anymore. I would die if I did. I was just bursting. And I just felt like I had to go out there and kind of, you know, shake people by the shoulders. Like, no, you don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be stuck in the data dungeon. You don't have to be stuck in these Excel reports. There is a better way. I want to show them the light. So I walked into my manager's room and I said, I quit. Now that's pretty crazy. I often warn others, other people, like, don't do what I did. <laughs> don't up and quit. You know, you can, you can kind of uh, build something slowly on the side. So, folks, that's uh, at least a bit of my story of uh, how I left Microsoft. I want to come back, dive deeper. But I want to switch to Robert. Because if you think my story is crazy, his is perhaps crazier. Because when he uh, notified his manager and his management team, they offered to double his salary. That's insane. And I, I can't even imagine. I don't know if, if yeah, I, I can't imagine. So I definitely want to hear more from Robert. So, so Robert, let's, uh, <laughs> I mean, as, as like eager as I am to just ask, like, how, how could you, you know? But let's back up a bit. Talk me a bit about. Yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> let's lead up to it. 
So talk okay. <laughs> a bit about what was going on in your life leading up to that decision. Uh, and of course, it's sometimes sometimes there are things that we see. Like, like now, when I look back at my 15 plus years in corporate America, yeah. there were mm-hmm. a lot of things which I noticed and I felt, right? I mean, just the fact that I struggled, just the fact that I felt out of place most of the time, were a yeah. sign, but a sign that I ignored for a long time. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I'm wondering what was going on in your life, in your head leading up to it, as, uh, Especially, yeah, were you noticing things that you wanted to move away from? Or, you, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, now that you've mentioned it, I, I've actually never looked at it that way. But um, even before making that big move, um, yeah, just to give you context, I was uh, working with an IT company in, um, in, in a small town in Kenya. Yeah. And, um, yeah, um, things initially were pretty good. Uh, but after like two, three years, I started kind of feeling something was a bit off. Mm-hmm. And um, in one instance, I did give um, have a have a conversation with my manager, and he was you know, quite reasonable. He couldn't really understand what was going on, and I guess that was. Come to look at it, right now, I, I kind of see the disconnect because we were trying so hard. We were more of a startup was trying to be mm-hmm. you know to go into the big leagues and we were really really engaged in numbers and businesses and i kind of felt people came in in second place so there was i did have that instance that i kind of felt i was really overwhelmed uh, it was mm-hmm. eight to five and it was just schedule and meetings 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 and there was just too much i felt that is not how I wanted to live my life. Uh, mm-hmm. Something was amiss, and to a point at one time, I asked for, you know, not to work one day and not to have my Friday, not mm-hmm. to go to work on Fridays. Yeah. And um, I was given that offer, but it was also slapped with uh, a 20% pay, pay cut, which, mm-hmm. which kind of made me revert. So I came back, but I that feeling of something is amiss persisted. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if I've answered the first the first bit of the question. Well, yeah. So you know, so um, I was listening to somebody, and they talked about how we how we deal with stress at work, huh? <laughs> and yeah. and and they gave this crazy analogy, which I think is true. So imagine, imagine a, a candle, a burning candle, right? And yes. imagine you putting your hand on it and, and we feel it. We all feel it. We, we know when things are not in, in yeah, just, and, and certainly now that I know my current life, I can contrast it much better, right? When things feel in flow, in motion, in alignment, Man, it feels phenomenal. I feel lit up. I, I jump out of my bed uh, most mornings. I wouldn't say every morning, but yeah, excited about work. Work is, I mean, work becomes play. If work is what you love, is it sure. working you, right? So, but I didn't know any of that at that point. At that point, my life was, you know, what we talk about, like the, the Monday blues and thank God it's Friday, right? So just drag yourself through the week. And frankly, the Monday blues started on Sunday evening. And Sunday evening, I'm like, oh my God, work, no, please, right? And then you go on a vacation, but but then, you know, a few days after back from the vacation, 
it's like your life is sucked out again. I mean, all that dissipates so quick when you come back and look at that mound of email, right? So, but anyway, I didn't know any better. I didn't know any different. I hadn't experienced any different. So the analogy is that we keep our hand on the candle and we see how long we can keep it there. Yeah. You know, it's just a little bit longer. Oh, I got to get that promotion. Oh, I got to get that bonus. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not there yet. You know, yeah, oh, the kids need to, the kids need their dance lessons. They need their, you know, and, and we just see how long we can keep our hand there. And it's insane, right? Because, you know, our, our mind isn't, isn't as a part of our body. You know, just the way pain is a signal in our body. So right now I'm having, <laughs> you and I have been talking about, I've been having issues with my right bicep. It's hurting, yeah. but that's a good sign. It's telling me something. So since it's hurting, I've been giving it a lot more care and attention, TLC. I'm not doing bicep curls, <laughs> you know? And yeah, I, I, I do different physiotherapy exercises for it. Uh, go for physiotherapy. You know, I, I'm supposed to massage it at home and all this sort of stuff. I'm taking care of it. We understand it at a physical level, but man, we throw it all out the window when it comes to work and all that. Then we put our hand on the burning candle flame and we go, how long can we do it? Just a little bit more. So, uh, man, yeah, when, you, when you started talking about this stuff, that's what came up for me. But then what changed? Because often we get stuck in this place where, yeah. where change is hard change is scary, even if it is for the better. And of course, yeah. you know, we run that program, Power BI Consultant Program. And there's one story I tell where uh, I was talking to somebody who was interested in the program. And they said, yeah, I've been thinking about starting my company for the past 10 years. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, today would be a great day, right? So yeah, so we just don't get to the point. So tell me how did things add up? How did you finally end up at that decision? So you might've noticed, you might've done the whole hand on the burning candle. Yes. I know I did it for a long time. Uh, so, to tell me more about what actually kind of, was there something that triggered it or, or did it just add up? Uh, tell me about that. So, so, so uh, well, a number of, number of events uh, happened before I made the decision. So, so fast, uh, of, uh, first of all, COVID happened and it kind of gave me lots of time to, uh, introspect to sit down and think about my life because there was less work and also to see that life can be a bit different um mm. lots of people are working online lots of people are doing things online and uh yeah as much as our company was was trying to adapt to that i could see the amount of resistance the other thing was that at that particular time i applied the scholarship you, you know with you avi and and i got the opportunity and um, what I got from the scholarship and the interaction was more than just learn Power BI. Uh, the whole concept um, of, of treating work uh, and life as two um, separate boxes was what had been preached to me all my life. That is what, that is how I used to view life, that I need to run away. I need to run away from work as much as possible. It's a necessary evil that I need to do to pay my bills. Ouch. So having, having interacting with you and, and other members of, of, uh, the, um, of the Land Power BI community and seeing that you actually practice what you preach, uh, yeah. seeing you going, going hiking and also doing really, really awesome work on, on, on Power BI and on training. And I really, um, Open my eyes and and yeah that really yeah. motivated me yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's a, that's a great point. And I'm not really sure if there's an answer here or what's the right answer. Frankly, guys, I would love to hear from you what you guys think, because what Robert is saying is right. They were frankly, I think it's a question of role models because when I was in Microsoft, I, I knew I felt like a misfit. I knew that I was had my hand on the burning candle, but the only role models I had were people around me. So there, everybody was in the, you know, kind of on that, that rat race. And, and, and Microsoft has this concept of levels. So if you're level 60, you're fighting to get to level 61. If you're 61, you go to 62. And it's an endless one, right? I mean, you know, I guess, you know, unless you get to Satya's level, right? Uh, whatever, level 100 or something, right? So, uh, but th those were the only role models I had. And, you know, so I was talking about my first job, which was a job from hell. And I said that the leader was a factor in it. And I remember a conversation where, um, so the leader was, uh, I guess I can say the name, Chi, Chi Lu. Uh, he's very well-respected, admired in the community as a hard worker, maybe as an extreme hard worker. So I remember <laughs> being in the organization and somebody, I don't know, in a meeting or something, they kind of cuddled up to me and they kind of whispered in my ear, do, do you know Chilu only sleeps four hours a day? Ooh. And first of all, I'm like, dude, why the heck are you whispering? Right? I mean, like, I mean, it's not just what they said, but the tone. It was implied that that's the ideal we were all to strive to. And that's why I feel like leader, leaders definitely set the tone. And... Um, and I think, you know, as, 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 as to digress a little bit, as parents, we do too. I always say that our kids, man, they don't listen to you. You know, <laughs> yeah, you can tell them, oh, you should do this. And yeah, they don't listen, but they see you. So we, what kind of role model are you being? Are you? Yeah. So anyway, so let's come back. So Chilu, four hours a day. And I'm thinking in my head, I couldn't say it to them, but I'm thinking, dude, what the F am I supposed to do with that? Like, why are you telling me that? I mean, are you implying that that's what I'm supposed to do? Right. So again, I mean, I think it's a challenge of role models. We just had, I mean, th this was the kind of role model we had to go four hours a day and look at him. He's up there. Oh, we got to get there. Right. Uh, and now, of course, now that I have this new life, as you kind of found me, I was lucky enough to stumble into other things. So of course, Microsoft, I, I, I left that and I stumbled into this group of uh, digital entrepreneurs and man, I've, I've, I've hung out with people I couldn't have imagined that they were real. So these people are, you know, they teach yoga. Uh, They're like teachers, like in school, they do art and they do a whole bunch of other stuff and they make really amazing amount of money and create an amazing amount of uh, impact in the community. And most important, they, they, yeah, they live the life of freedom. That's what I talk about. Right. But, but none of this was possible or conceivable. Uh, of course, I had those equations in my head that hard work equals success. The harder I work, uh, the, you know, the better results, right? So if I wouldn't get the results, if I wouldn't get the promotion, and I, and I see now others do it, I'm like, whoa, 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 watch out, right? Because they say, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I, couldn't get, I didn't get the promotion. Oh, I got to work harder. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, slow down, buddy, right? So it's, it's one of those things. 
And another story I would share is that, uh, so performance ratings I talked about, and again, for me, it was mostly meets expectations, middle of the road, three out of five. Yeah, Avi, keep going. You know, you did good this, but here are the areas of improvement. Um, yeah, there was always the yeah, but. So that was my story. So, uh, but then one of my Microsoft friends, he 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 was kind of joking about it, but but you know, it's it's funny because it was kind of true. And they said, Avi, you can tell the people's performance rating by the dark circles under their eyes. And that was crazy, right? So that means if you want a higher rating, yeah, you got to be spending long nights, long days at work and yep, not sleeping out. And, and yeah, so it's, um, yeah. And, and again, not to say that every company is like that. Um, I mean, I certainly the time that I had under the good manager, I mean, they, they protected me sometimes at uh, sacrificing themselves, right? I mean, sometimes they would put themselves in the line of fire, uh, say no to things and no to management. Like, no, no, no. That's the deadline is too extreme and so forth. But, but yeah, maybe, maybe it's kind of the role model thing. So, um, so cool. So we talked a little bit about what you were moving away from kind of the burning candle. And I experienced that in, in my own way, but did you have a glimpse of, what you wanted to move towards. And sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. I think either is okay. Um, yeah, I'm just curious, how was it for you? Do you so, yeah, tell so, me more. Yeah, so, so like you mentioned, having interacted with different people and having seen what was possible. Um, I personally love traveling. That was something that is very important to me. I love traveling, I, I love hiking, and I love spending time with with, with, with my sister. I have, I have a younger sister. And... Um, I wanted to, I felt my job was, you know, like, like you mentioned, I don't think it was a problem with, with the people. I just think it was just the structure and the way people are comfortable with how they were doing. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have some more, you know, flexibility in terms of working and to do things that I love and to enjoy my work. That's that I, I, I no longer fear Mondays. I no longer, you know, just when I'm out on a holiday, just when I know I'm going back to work, I fear. I know I have a, a bad feeling about it. So, yeah. so I was really craving for an opportunity to kind of, one, work with RBI, but also be flexible enough to, you know, work from different locations and, and spend more time with family. So that was kind of what I was gravitating towards. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and I Everyone, feel like yeah. not really good. Um, having seen it was possible, having seen other people do it, I feel I, I couldn't really put a price tag to that because there are things that are really important in, in your life. And, and, and yeah, you, you, you see there, it can be done, you, you go for it. Wow. So Robert, I must say you are far more enlightened than I ever was, certainly at the time when I was leaving my job. I would never have said those words. I don't think I would have, I was capable of operating that way. Man, I, I actually, it even still sounds unbelievable. So you're saying there are some things in life which you can't put a price tag on. And I was gonna ask you like, how in the world do you, do you say no to the 2x salary. Now, I have to ask you, come on, man. I mean, be, be honest. 
I mean, you were yes. tempted, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it was a hard decision, right? It wasn't easy. And, and of course, the, the, I, I couldn't go telling my friends. <laughs> That's the decision I have to make. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what I was going to ask you next. Is like, <laughs> yes, did you, yes. So, <laughs> the secret, yeah. Yes. So, wow. so what, well, what, what became very clear, what became very clear, as much as it looks attractive, the two externally, it was um, these people, um, or, or my manager kind of knew my potential. And um, I, I even remember when I was offering him the letter, he didn't really know much of what to tell me or how to engage me. To and, and I guess that's why they resorted to the money. And, and I guess that is where I could see the clear misalignment. Uh, that is what I don't want. The fact that uh, we are not in a level where he understands what I'm going through or what I want from my job and my life. Ouch. Uh, yeah. that, that was a pain point. So, and, 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 and the fact that, you know, they are willing to go twice. It means that they clearly knew I was, uh, I was not being appreciated. I was not being given what I deserved. And wow. yet, uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, despite me doing relatively what they termed as a good job, they did not give me wow. what I think I was valued for. So as much as from face value, it looks attractive, but all yeah. other elements that became apparent when they gave me that offer. Yeah, yeah. Wow, man. Uh, so I really thought that in this today's meeting, we've talked about so much about each other's lives and experiences that we would just revisit uh, you know, kind of stuff we already talked about, but there is something really new, a lot of new stuff coming up. So I'll say that, yeah, in, in a way, it's even like, I'm, I'm, I'm like pissed on your behalf, you know? Because I'm like, shit, if you're offering me 2X now, that means you know very well you've been underpaying me for the past, right? You didn't care about me. And um, yeah, so that that's like pissing me off slightly. Now, of course, the funny thing is that you'd, you'd made this decision and much later, maybe a month later or something. Yes, yes. Then we we got to talk about <laughs> this this concept, folks. So I would say be be wary, be wary of counter offers because uh, I've been in that situation a few times. I mean, so this time I left Microsoft, left my job, but of course I had switched jobs multiple times, and every time I went from one company to the other, you know, the company always, the current company always gives you counter offer, but even if it's really awesome, be wary because studies have shown that most people quit anyway after six months of that because of two reasons. Number one is, is that, um, well, it's actually on both sides. So the first reason from, uh, from the employer side is that they, they don't like knowing that this person wanted to leave. So often what they want to do is they just want to buy time. They don't want you to make a sudden exit. They just want to buy time. It's like, hey, we can keep him on for a little bit. We can train. We can have more time to train somebody else. And then, yeah, I mean, he's already indicated that he doesn't want to stay here. So, yeah, we'll let him go, right? So, so they let you go. Or from the other side is that whatever the fundamental reasons were for you to leave, and I would really hope, sincerely hope that your life is not driven by money. Money is not the overbearing number one factor. It's like, no, 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 money is only, you know, yeah, I have, I hope your life is more well-rounded than that. 
but so there would, might be underlying reasons that Robert and I have been discussing, right? And you know, whatever, you, you don't feel in alignment, you don't feel focused, you want to feel energized about your work, you want to feel valued, whatever those reasons might be, they stay the same. They stay the same. And those are probably the more important ones. So as yeah, so a counter offers can be dangerous, but uh, I, I spoke about uh, this to Robert much later <laughs> and you told me, oh yeah, yeah, that talk would have been helpful. Anyway, all right, um, good stuff, good stuff. So, um, uh, so um, I feel like I was going to ask you something. So, um, yeah, yeah, my man. But I'll I'll, I'll say that again. That I think uh, you were a lot more enlightened than I was. Oh, I know what I was going to say. So, yeah, man. I mean, so so I was uh, at a at a party uh, this weekend. And I was speaking with somebody and of course they know about me. So most of my friends have the nine to five jobs, right? So they, they, they yeah, they, they kind of, you know, sometimes uh, uh, I have an audience at, at party I go to, like they flock to me. It's like, how do you do this life for freedom, right? <laughs> are you really, you know what I mean? Are you, do you really go hiking every week on a weekday, <laughs> you know? And that sort of stuff. Did you really spend three months in India? Did you do that, right? So they asked me a lot of questions. And then one person was, was, was really into it. So I started talking to him and what I shared with him was this concept of a true goal. And again, I, I wish I knew this stuff earlier. I wish somebody had taught me this. I really think some of this should be taught in school. I mean, they teach us stuff, which they, they don't teach us stuff, which is truly important. I think. So, so, so folks, true goal, if you've been around me, you probably know the idea already. Uh, which is, uh, it's simple. So the true goal is what would you do if you had all the money in the world? So often people are kind of stuck on money. So I want you to think beyond that. Imagine you have all the money in the world. What would you do? Okay, right? So first thing I'm trying to do is get you beyond money. Don't stick in money. It's like, okay, what would you do? Now I'll say there's a second sticking point here. There are actually a few here. So the, the next sticking point that people have is what they say is that, oh, Avi, I'm just going to go on a beach and just relax with a drink in my hand. No, you wouldn't. You're going to be bored out of your freaking mind in a few weeks. Then what would you do, right? Yeah, think about that. So go past that. Nobody wants that. And, and, and sometimes I talk to people who are like truly exhausted. So they can't think beyond that. You know, they, they're like, oh, I just want to lie down and rest, man. You know, so that's a problem if you're in that state. But yeah, maybe maybe think think about it again when you're not feeling totally exhausted. So think beyond that. We don't, nobody wants a life like that. We want a life that matters. We want, a, we want our lives to mean something. So what would that life be? What would you be doing? That's one. Now the, now the other challenge is kind of the, the opposite one where people say, no, 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 Avi, I don't, I don't want anything. I'm content with what I have. And man, that's perhaps even more dangerous than somebody who's chasing money because at least they're in motion. They'll get somewhere, you know? But the, but the counter thought is that, oh no, I should just be content. And, uh, and, and I believe that you can be 100% content and 100% ambitious. And it's, uh, um, it's, yeah, I just, it sounds crazy, I know. But um, uh, there's this whole idea, which we'll cover maybe in a later episode, of either you can operate from empty 
where there's something empty inside of you. There's a void you're trying to fill. I'm not worthy. Once I get the promotion, when my boss bats my back, then I'll know I'm worthy. I'm good enough. So you're operating for empty. And it's easier, frankly, to understand in an example of relationship where you get into relationship because you need love. You want love. Oh, I need that person to love me. Oh, they don't love me enough, right? So that's one way of living your life. And the other way of living your life is living your life with your heart full. To realize, to open up your eyes and see that you are worthy. You've always been worthy. That you are full of love. So now you operate from a place where you're full, where your heart is full. And, you know, so we think of contentment as this, we're just going to sit down. We don't have to do anything. But think about what slows us down, what stops us. It's often our fear. And when you start operating from this place where you're full, the fear disappears. And that's when you take your biggest, boldest action. That's when you go after your biggest dream. And that's what I'm going for, right? Man, my mission, I couldn't have imagined having this mission. And I must admit, sometimes it feels so big that it scares the shit out of me, right? But my mission is to create a world (laughs) where Mondays aren't blue, where people don't have to thank God it's Friday. They can thank God every day, right? Monday, right? So that's the world that I want to create in, Uh, starting with kind of myself, my team, uh, or probably a consulting program members and on, right? So uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so, so let's t- uh, come back to the true goal. True goal, what would you do if you had all the money in the world? And don't say you're going to sit on the beach, look beyond that. And don't say, oh, I'm just content. I'm just going to sit down. I'm peaceful. I'm happy with what I have. No, I mean, y- yeah, if you, if you were operating for full, what's the mission? What do you want to stand for? What do you want your life to stand for? What do you want your life to mean? So there's something there. So often when I push people, they can say something. And uh, family is a big one I hear. And that's what this person said that I was, was talking to say, family is important, da, 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 right? They went on and on about family. But here's the challenge. The biggest challenge is that we are all convinced. We're all convinced that the path to that Right? So we all know the true goal in our hearts, right? I mean, sometimes we are running so fast, we don't stop to ask that question. So it feels like we don't know, but we know. We know, you know, my friend, right? So look in your heart, you know what's a true goal, what you truly want. But the challenge is we are all convinced that the path to that true goal goes through money, right? So we say, yeah, I want family, but... You know, I need to get that promotion. I need to do this so I can care for them. And man, that's a very dangerous assumption, which I'm glad you didn't make. Because if you had, then you couldn't have said no to the 2X selling. You would have said, oh, yeah, of course. Yep, yep, yep. I'm a true goal. Yep. But clearly, you know, that's the path to get there. But it isn't. Um, All right, folks. So let's uh, bring it back. And uh, uh, so, uh, of course, you know, I talked about how it was the hardest decision. (laughs) And... uh, uh, you know, um, it, it was such a joy to hear Robert's story uh, as well. But it was the best decision that I ever made. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And of course, you already heard snippets of that when Robert was talking. Uh, but I didn't know then. I mean, I didn't know what else was possible, right? I mean, so, for example, I, I run into Excel users and they just 
don't know. I mean, that's what they're used to. They just, yep, you know, I do this and then I do this pivot table and then I uh, do a VLOOKUP. That's the only thing they're used to. And it takes somebody to show them a new way and they go, whoa, right? And, and, you know, and I remember, I don't get that reaction that much, so much anymore. But earlier, when I would show people that, they would get angry. They would get angry. It's like, Avi, how, how long has this been around? And I'll say, it's been around for a few years. And I'll say, why didn't anybody tell me? Right? They would get very, very angry. And um, maybe I feel the same frustration. But, um, but in that old life, I just didn't know. But now when I look back, I can see. Now I can see. And what I see is the backseat of a car. Right? I mean, I was always riding the backseat of the car. I just didn't have any control over my life. I mean, you know, the economy turned this way. Oh, you know, economy's up. Yay, I'm going this way. Economy's down. Wow, oops, I'm going that way. You know, manager change. Oh, I'm going left, right? Uh, reorg happened. I'm going that way. And once in a while, well, I would get booted out of the car. I would be laid off and let go. Uh, sometimes I would step out of the car by myself and that would feel great for a little bit. I don't look, oh my God, look at you. I'm done with this old car. Oh, I'm going to go into this new fancy car and I would sit in the car and I would smell the new car smell. I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. New job. Yes. Right. But then a few months later, definitely a year later, I'm like, shit, <laughs> I'm still in the backseat and my life didn't really change. So you can live that way. Most people do. Right, where they just go with the flows, right? You're not really in control. It's like, oh, things are good. Things are good. Yay. Oh, things are bad. Things are bad. Sucks. This sucks. I hate it. You can do that. And that's what I was doing for 15 plus years. Or you can ask a question. And I think that's what it starts with a question. Ooh, questions are powerful, my friend. You know, what's that quote? Uh, quality for your life is determined by the quality of questions you ask. So if you just ask, uh, what else is possible? What if I, I didn't, what if I don't want to ride these waves up and down? And then you look around and you start seeing examples. So fast forward now, man, I have the steering wheel in my hands. I'm in control. And yes, it's not for everybody. I'll tell you that, right? It's not for everybody. And there are white knuckle moments where you're like, oh my God, I'm going to crash. And yes, you can crash, right? I mean, people, people sometimes they talk to me about this life of freedom and so forth. It's like, yeah, I mean, would I make it? Am I, am I good? Yeah. Can you tell me like, would I, would I, you know, make it there? I don't know, dude, nobody can tell, you know? Yeah. The only way to find out is you got to give it a try. That's how most things work, right? Um, and you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So there it is, right? So, so Yeah. I got the studio in my hands and yes, it's not for everybody. Yes, there are white knuckle moments, right? There, yes, there are moments of doubt and fear. So like, oh, what did I do, right? There was a whole year, actually, to be truthful. They were like one and a half to two years. We're like, oh my God, why did I leave my job at Microsoft? Why did I do a big mistake? I'm going to crawl back on my, you know, on my knees and just beg them for my job back. You know, they can half my salary, just take me back, right? So there were moments like that, but, um, but it's definitely worth it. It's worth it because you're in control. And I talk about these four degrees of freedom. And that's what's important for me. I'm not really sure if it's universal, if it's for everybody. But for me, it's a four degrees of freedom. And they're all, um, 
So freedom to work on what I want. And again, we talked about like work being like usually it used to, you know, like Monday blues and thank God it's Friday, right? It being such a chore. And Robert talked about that. But what if work was something you loved? How can your life change? What can your life be? So that's the first degree of freedom, freedom to work on what I want. So I work on stuff that just is kick-ass, pure fun joy for me most of the time. (laughs) So that's number one. And the second is freedom to work with who I want. And that's important too for me. And the last two are freedom to work when I want, where I want. So folks, that's uh, kind of the whole story for today. But we want to continue on here for one, because I've had such an amazing time talking to Robert, is that in the next, next, next part of this, next episode, Robert and I will get together again and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that life of freedom, what it is like, and what does it take to get there? And what are the roadblocks? What do you want to watch out for? How do you create that for yourself? So we're going to talk about that, the life of freedom. Uh, Robert, thanks so much for this. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to our next session. Loved it, loved it. Looking forward to it. All right, folks. Hey, thank you so much for everybody who joined online. Uh, uh, I was pretty caught up in uh, what, uh, what Robert was saying in the conversation. So I didn't actually, uh, you know, take a, take a look at the chat, but I'll do that afterwards and I'll reach out to you guys uh, over email if I can with my responses. All right. Take care, folks. Thanks for being here. We'll see you on our next Talk Barbie event. Take care and power on. Hey, folks, Avi here, back to share my biggest aha moment. I'm actually recording this a full month after the discussion with Robert. But one line that he said has kept playing in my head again and again. Robert said, there are some things in life you can't put a price tag on. But here's the thing. We all hear quotes like this and we say things like this, but we often don't act like this. And that's why I'm grateful for this conversation with Robert to remind us of the priceless things in our lives. This is the Power On Show. Carl Taladua is our executive editor. I'm your host, Avi Singh, saying goodbye. And as always, Power On.